You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. We're in this series. Uh, it's based on a book by Eugene Peterson, the great late Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's really talking about um, how do we um, take the long road of becoming more like Jesus because it's not an easy path. It's not a short path. It's one that takes time and energy and intentionality. And uh, Peterson uses the image of a pilgrim on a journey. It's not, it's, it's, it's a journey that takes some time and, and it's, but it's rich with, um, with God's presence and community and connection. And, and, and so we're going to, and we're going to keep looking at um, for a couple more weeks, Psalms of Ascent. These are Psalms that the Jerusalem, uh, the people of, of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, as they walked to Jerusalem, as they pilgrimed to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs um, on their way up to Jerusalem, the Psalms of Ascent, because Jerusalem is at a high point. And so they would walk there. And, and, uh, and, and in a sense, it's, these Psalms are like a direction for us to help us know what does is, what is a long obedience in, those, in this direction look like? I love what Peterson wrote in his book. There is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what previous generations of Christians called holiness. Practicing the way of Jesus is a commitment to, to the long game. It's, it's a commitment to walk, to pilgrim together with others um, over days, weeks, months, and years to become more and more like Jesus and to allow the deep work of the Spirit to, to transform us, to change us, to help us become more and more like Jesus. And so that's what we've been talking about over these last several weeks. And, um, and the psalm we're going to look at today is going to, we're going to talk about what, is it, what does it take to be happy in this world? And uh, what does it take to be happy? It's, it's, it's the way we're going to look at it, it's not... Um, typical. It's, it's going to surprise you. Um, I think for many of us, it's going to be something that you haven't seen before, or maybe you haven't connected the spiritual principle we're going to look at with happiness. And yet the scriptures kind of talk about this in particular, Psalm chapter 128, Psalm 128, it's a Psalm of Ascent, talks about this kind of practice that leads to happiness. Okay, here we go. Verse one, all you who fear God, how blessed you are. That word blessed, pretty much everywhere you see that word blessed in the Old and New Testament means happiness. It means a, not, not, a, not just a, a kind of a shallow happiness, but a deep sense of contentment, fulfillment. Like, I, 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 like I'm living my best life, blessed. Um, and so that's what, that's what the psalmist is talking about. All you who fear God, how blessed, how happy you are. How happily you walk on his smooth, straight road. You worked hard and deserve all you've got coming. Enjoy the blessing. Revel in the goodness. Your wife will bear children as a vine bears grapes. Your household lush as a vineyard. The children around your table as fresh and promising as young olive shoots. Stand in awe of God's, yes. Oh, how he blesses the one who fears God. Enjoy the good life in Jerusalem every day of your life and enjoy your grandchildren. Peace to Israel. Shalom. In this psalm, this, this, this word blessed, it's just like, how do we have happiness? Now, you're, as you're reading this, you might, as we're reading this, you might be thinking, okay, so happiness is having a wife who bears a lot of children? 
And the women in the room are going, that's not happy. That's a pathway to poverty, not happiness, you know. And, uh, or maybe you're, well, if, but hard work, that's the path. That's how, you, that's how you end up being happy. So if you just work hard. But, but that's not, these are like, the, for the Hebrew culture, these were signs of happiness. These were like, this is how you know when you're happy. Like, oh, well, I got all my kids around my table, eating all my food, my wife, grandchildren. I feel good about what I do in life. You know, these are, for the Hebrew culture, these were signs of happiness. Those weren't, they, they weren't the pathway to happiness. That's not how to be happy. It's what happiness for them look like. And so thankfully we can just kind of all rest. You don't need to try to have as many children as possible or keep them in your home as long as possible or have as many grandchildren as possible to be happy. Um, somebody say amen to that. You don't, that's not the pathway to happiness. I'm not saying it will make you unhappy necessarily, but it's not the pathway. I love what Peterson argued. Too much of the world's happiness focuses on taking from one to satisfy the other. To increase my standard of living, people in another part of the world must lower theirs. The worldwide hunger crisis that we, may have, that we have today is a result of that method of pursuing happiness. So what Peterson argues in his book about happiness is that, that often the way that we try to pursue happiness is just acquiring more and more for us for our lives, for our children and their children's children, et cetera. And, we, and, in, and sometimes we unintentionally take from others for, in order for us to be happy. But instead, according to this song, this song, the pathway to happiness begins with something I'm almost positive very few of us have thought about in terms of happiness. It starts with the fear of the Lord. And some of you are right now, you're like, going, okay, that what, being afraid of God, how does that lead me to happiness? But that's not what the fear of the Lord means. The fear of the Lord is not um, if I step outside of his will, he's going to punish me, therefore I'm afraid of him. That's how most people think of the fear of God. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. What the fear of the Lord is, is saying, I honor you, God, and I respect you, and I trust you, so I'm gonna follow your way. I'm gonna obey you. That's what it means to, be, to have the fear of the Lord. Is I, I'm in awe of you and your way, and so I'm gonna try my best to like follow you, to obey you at the expense of other ways. I'm going to fear you, God. That's what that means. It's an invitation to honor God in every area of our life, to humbly walk according to his word and his way. It means respect and honor and believe that God's way is the best. That's what the fear of the Lord means. So as the psalmist, what he's saying here is that the pathway to happiness, if you want to be truly fulfilled in this life, if you want to have a sense of contentment, deep contentment in your life, it begins and ends with the fear of the Lord. God, I want to walk according to your way. The Bible says that the way of people seems right, but it leads to destruction. And I've noticed something in our world, even among Christians, is that we have this strong sense that we know what's best for us. I know what's good for me. I know what's going to make me happy. And this is pervasive 
it's, it's, we grow up in it. It's like, it's kind of natural. It's like second nature for us, but, but to walk according to our own wisdom. And, and then, but if you think about it, an honest evaluation of our world and our present level of happiness, one might conclude we should try something else. This walking our own way that we think leads to happiness seems to be leading towards anxiety and depression like no other generation has ever experienced it. So, so maybe, maybe we should go ahead and take a risk, though I don't think it's much of a risk based on how the direction we're going right now. Like, you know, I'm going to go a different way. I'm gonna, I want to see what God says about his way that leads to happiness. And yes, it's different than the way that you think leads to happiness. Yes, the fear of the Lord, but really it's all about like what, what is God's way for my life? What is his purposes for me? What, how does he want me to live into this life? John Calvin once told his congregation in Geneva, Switzerland, that we must develop better and deeper concepts of happiness than those held by the world. So if the fear of the Lord means walking according to God's way and not our own, what does that look like? Well, one place we could start is with the Ten Commandments. And before you roll your eyes and go like, oh, here we go, Old Testament stuff. No, don't, hang with me. This is amazing. So we have a slide of the Ten Commandments just to refresh your memory of what these are. So here, here they are. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. You shall not covet. These are the Ten Commandments. And before you start thinking that, oh, this is, yeah, I knew the church would go here. Limiting us is the way to happiness. <laughs> Restricting us is the, no, 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 that's not what it's saying. God was saying to the people of Israel when he gave these 10 commandments to Moses, he was saying, if you want to be happy, if you want to have fulfillment in this life, don't kill each other. <laughs> don't lust after your neighbor's wife. Bad idea will not lead to happiness. Contentment is not found there. Contentment is putting God first. Contentment is honoring your neighbor. Contentment is listening to your parents. This is where contentment is found. That's what the Ten Commandments were for. He's like, this is for your good. This is for your good. You're going to be living in community for a while together. You might want to follow these things. But what happened, funny enough, what happened in Judaism is that they would take these Ten Commandments and they build other laws around them. But what they did is that they made little loopholes. So like, okay, don't murder. <sighs> Got it. Never done that. I've never done that. But Jesus comes along and he says, hey, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say, don't even be angry with your brother unless you sin. And you're like, oh, well, I've done that. And what Jesus does is he takes the Ten Commandments and he says, so you can find loopholes that lead to unhappiness. Don't commit adultery. Jesus says, I tell you, don't even lust after a woman. Because he knows. He's not trying to restrict us and limit us. He's trying to say, listen, because I know, I know, listen to me. He said, I know this to be true, that if you lust after your neighbor's wife, it will not lead to your happiness. 
You will not be blessed in this life simply because you're going down the wrong path. You're following the way this world thinks. Anything goes. No, it's not good for us. At some point, I think, I think, I don't, I'm probably totally wrong and naive, but sometimes I just think that eventually the pendulum is going to swing back to this place. Like, no, not everything is okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay for us. It's not, it's not, it's not a religious thing. It's just like anything goes, it's not good for us. It's not. It's not, doesn't lead to happiness. According to what I'm seeing, it leads to anxiety and depression. So this way of Jesus, this way of, that God says, is like there's a way to walk in this world that leads you to happiness. And it's not meant to be restrictive. It's, not, it's meant for your good. It's meant to like, hey, listen to these things. This is for your better. This is for your happiness. This is for your blessing in your relationships, in your life, in your world. It's not a list of rules that, that we disobey and then we feel judgment. These are a list of the things that God says, listen, this is good for you. I made you, I created you, I know you. I know what's good for you. I know what will lead to your happiness, your contentment, your fulfillment in this life. And it's not what the world has to offer. You know, we find happiness so often in the Western world through acquisition of things, you know, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've went shopping to help me feel more happy. I've done that. What's that called? Shopping therapy? What is that? Retail therapy, Retail therapy Suzanne. Thank I you. Heard. She's heard. <laughs> She's heard. Yeah. Clinical. The clinical name for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, but we try, we try to find this different ways. And I want to I propose something that's really like, some of you are going to be like, I don't like this. What if instead of pursuing happiness at the expense of others, we, f- we find happiness through giving of ourselves to others? What if the pathway to happiness actually means it's more blessed to give than to receive? It's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, Jesus was saying, happier are those who give rather than take. Nowhere does Jesus say, blessed are the greedy, blessed are those who take what they deserve. Blessed are those who give when they give rather than they receive. See, according to the way of Jesus, our vitality increases, our potential for happiness increases the more that we give away. The more that we um, lay our lives down for the other. Science has caught up with this, by the way. They, they've done many studies of this and they found that, that someone who gives a um, minimum of two hours a week in serving other people are happier than those who do not. That's an easy one, right? I mean, that's like, I just gotta, I, I'm ha- I'll be happier if I give, like serve some for two hours a week. I can do that. I mean, the children right now are waiting for you. 
I mean, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. That's, that's just a little pastor way of putting a little dig in there on, for children's ministries. But, but, there's, but it's, a, it's a simple way to take a step towards happiness and not just towards happiness because that's, that's not the goal, by the way. See, I think, I think the American way is the pursuit of happiness. It's a, that's the kind of the end, that's what we're after. That's not, for the Jesus way, for, for Jesus people, the ultimate goal is becoming like him. It's like, I want to live into his way. I want to become more like Jesus. And Jesus, Hebrews says that for the joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I just think about the way Jesus like led his life and it was all give and no take. And I'm not asking you to lay your life down, like literally. But I have this theory that that's ultimate joy. And if we can reframe our thinking to consider that ultimate joy is found in actually laying your life down for someone else, then we might actually be able to work backwards from that and see that our happiness is dependent on our ability to sacrificially love and serve as just as Jesus did. Yet I think we, 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 like, we think that sacrifice and, you know, and like laying down our lives causes us to live like in some depravity of soul. Like, you know, I just think of these grumpy old monks that, you know, I'm just going to lay my life down. You know, this is what I have to do. And he's like, I, I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it. You know, I'm like, I don't think that's what it means. I think it means like, this is where joy is found. As I give of myself to another, this is where, like, this is how I find happiness is by giving of myself. I think we think of uh, serving others like fasting food and that's no fun at all. And we think, I think we think of serving like that and yet I'm, I've found in my own life and I've seen it in other people's lives that there's so much joy to be found there. Let me mention Pastor Dario. Dario, Dario Kappen, I've known, um, I met him 16 years ago. I think it was 16 years ago when we lived in Croatia. And he's a pastor in um, a city one hour north of Sarajevo in Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, called Zenica. And uh, it's predominantly Muslim. Uh, his city is predominantly Muslim. And he got saved, radically saved at a, as a teenager, um, was, went to Sweden and was discipled there and, and then um, planted a church in Novi Sad, Belgrade. Um, he served ethnically. And, um, and then God called him um, back to Sarajevo where he was born and, and, and to serve there. And he ends up planting this church in Zenica um, some 20 plus years ago. And um, so he's been serving for like 20 some years. His church is um, like maybe 20 people. And uh, we have a picture of Dario. And this is, what he, um, this is what he looks like all the time. He has a smile on his face all the time. And I know Dario pretty well. And we've talked about his struggles. It's not easy. 
His life is not easy. His ministry is not easy. He is one of very few Christians in his city. And he's chosen to like serve God in this city. And he just pours his life out over and over every single day. He's just pouring his life out. He's just trying to figure out new ways to love his city and the people, his neighbors. And he's just pouring his life out. And, and then I, I show up. And I end up being sick that week, like really sick, like coughing and just a mess. And this and Dario is just like, he keeps going to the store, buys me cough medicine. He's like, what else can I get for you, Steve? He just like lays his life down for me the entire week I'm there. And just like, he's got a conference he's like hosting. And he's just like, I'm just going to love you and serve you. And I realized something with Dario. That I, was like, I just kind of thought it was two random things. He's happy all the time and he serves all the time. I just thought it was two random things. Never really put the two and two together. And this week I was like, no, one has caused the other. His posture towards his city, his posture of love and sacrifice and laying down his life for others is directly linked to his level of joy and happiness and contentment. So let me ask you, what does this look like for you? If your happiness depends on finding ways to love others outside of yourself, of giving of yourself without a guaranteed return, what, what needs to shift in your thinking today or in your actions today? What, in, instead of trying to procure happiness, what if you leaned into the idea that happiness is the result of laying down your life for others? So what does that look like for you? for your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with your coworkers, in your relationships with your neighbors, your teachers or your students? What does it look like to lean into to the pathway of happiness as a sacrificially giving of yourself to others? One of the prayers that I've been praying um, for the past few months is a prayer that's credited to St. Francis and and as I've prayed this prayer and I've meditated on its implications for my life, God has begun to provide ideas of like how to do this, how to live this out, not just pray about it, but to live it. And I want us to pray this prayer together. And I'm believing that as we do this, the Holy Spirit may drop just some ideas and thoughts and maybe names of people into your heart that he would ask you to like take a step of faith to give of yourself this week in certain ways. So I want us to pray this prayer together out loud. Um, and this, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's put that prayer up on the screen. There it is. Ready, go. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life.